Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. Guess what? I get to talk about God and politics. <laughs> you know, the two things you're not supposed to talk about at a dinner, right? Re- religion and politics. So uh, we're going to delve right into it and um, try to uh, give us a framework for how to respond to the election. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, there's this statement as part of our, our the Pledge of Allegiance that we're one nation under God, indivisible. <laughs> indivisible, <laughs> like right. That means you can't be divided. Is that your perception of the United States? <laughs> All right. So maybe maybe indivisible in the sense of the Civil War didn't work. <laughs> but boy, we are divided on every other level, uh, it seems, in so many ways, uh, with liberty and justice for all. And so, um, and really every aspect of that little statement, I'm like, I don't really think we we're reaching any of those. <laughs> you know, and the the reason is because the pledge is the ideal. You know, that's what we aspire to. That's what we pledge ourselves to. It's not necessarily a description of where we are. It's a description of what we want to become. Okay? <clears throat> and it's it's really always true. Uh, in, in that we we make a pledge of man, this is this is the this is the ideal that we're going for, and we work from where we are to where we want to be. Elections and election seasons are uh, times that tend to pull us apart because they're uh, there. Uh, each party and each each uh, um, you know different aspect of the political system is vying for your vote. And so they're pulling, they're pulling, they're pulling you toward them, and by default that means they're pushing away. They're they're trying to create a bigger, bigger uh, divide between us and them, us and them. And so elections just tend to pull us apart. This two-week series is meant <clears throat> uh, to, to share some biblical principles that can help us sort through the election. Uh, we certainly are not going to endorse a candidate or a party. Dale's going to take care of that on Tuesday. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> uh, now, we're not going to endorse a candidate or party, not only because uh, it's, it's not a right, it's a, a violation of, uh, um, of the law in one sense, but I just don't actually believe it's appropriate. I don't want you to vote. Someone asked me last week, well, just tell me who you're going to vote for. I'm like, I don't want you to vote for who I'm going to vote for. Uh, I, you know, I don't want, you know, I don't want you to just to write off my decision. Uh, you need to figure it out. Uh, and that's really what the point is. Um, and so our uh, goal is to help you or give you some principles that you can apply to the decision-making making process that each of us is called to go through. And it is laborious, and, and I will say that this is the craziest election that I've ever experienced, because there's no, you know, I mean, it, it just is, is both candidates really uh, are, of, in the presidential election, it's just, each, each election just seems to get crazier and crazier, and this one is the most. Uh, uh, in that uh, uh, the candidates that we have to choose are, you know, neither one uh, fully, easily able to get behind. <clears throat> one of the reasons I asked Graham to speak as part of the series, and he's going to be he's speaking Kalamazoo today, and he'll speak uh, here tomorrow, is that he's Irish. He grew he's and he's from Ireland. He grew up in Ireland, and and then he's a in Ireland is part of the UK. Uh, so he's a British citizen, and so he grew up in a completely different political system. And now he's been here for many years. I forget how many years they've been, 10, 15 years. Um, and so, and he's highly educated as well. And so his perspective of our political system, he is a U.S. citizen now, um, he, he brings a different perspective. So I really encourage you to come and listen to him because, you know, it helps to hear from someone that's speaking from the, uh, a different uh, uh, perspective than what we've been a part of our whole life. All right? 
And our, my hope is to challenge, both of our, Graham and I, is to challenge everyone. So I hope what I say uh, makes everyone leave a little bit challenged and not, oh, I'm right, everybody else is wrong. Is that all right? Yeah? Sound good? Y'all happy? Yeah. Okay, come on, I need some encouragement. <clears throat> I'm going to just cover four ideas today. One, Jesus rules. Say, Jesus rules. Jesus rules. Under God. Under God. Okay, no fear. No fear. And the kingdom values. <clears throat> so those are the four ideas that we're going to touch on. One, two, three are going to be a little quicker. Number four is a little longer. Because I believe that those four ideas are four ideas that we need to bring into the decision-making process as to who we're going to vote for. I like what Ruben said, you know, it's not just the presidential election. There's a lot of other people being uh, elected in a lot of other positions. One thing, um, you know, don't rely on advertisements for your information because uh, either the, you know, both parties and both, groups, the advertisements are always going to be skewed into their favor. It's, uh, it's best to find other sources. The uh, League of Women Voters, uh, um, are you familiar with that? Uh, you just Google it. League of Women Voters have uh, an, uh, an excellent uh, voter's guide. You type in your, um, your district, uh, your address basically, and then they, they'll give you uh, a printout of the opinions of the can of all the candidates written by the candidates and uh, and it's specific to where you live um, so it's an excellent excellent resource and it's completely nonpartisan in that it just represents both candidates they ask each candidate the same question I printed mine out it's 20 pages long and so it's pretty thorough and it and it covers people like the judges and the school board people, as well as the president and, and all that. And so uh, the, I think it's the National League of Women Voters. But if you just put the League of Women Voters, it's the best um, resource because it goes through all of the levels, from national down to local. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so number one, Jesus rules. There are other resources, by the way, too. Jesus rules. What does that mean? Jesus didn't come to take sides. He came to take over, all right? And that's a quote from Andy Stanley in January. He did a fantastic one, just a one-message series uh, concerning the election, and you can Google that too, uh, Andy Stanley's election uh, message. Uh, he's a phenomenal speaker. He pastors a huge church in Georgia. But this idea that Jesus didn't come to take sides, he came to take over. He is Lord, and that was the message that he proclaimed. That was the message that the church is supposed to be proclaiming. In fact, during Jesus' lifetime, he avoided political affiliations at all costs. Many, many of the, of the questions and the situations that were brought before Jesus in the Gospels if you, if you know the historical context, they're trying to get him to side with one uh, political or social agenda. And he always turns the question around and sticks him right back in the heart and deals with the personal issue and avoids coming down on one side or the other. It's, uh, it's almost brilliant. It's a completely brilliant how Jesus did that. Um, and I think it's important to understand the reason he was doing that was because he was presenting a different kingdom. He was coming to rule. Uh, you know, every um, every uh, uh, po a political party, every candidate, every issue wants Jesus on their platform. But let me tell you, Jesus doesn't share his platform. He is on a throne. Okay, <clears throat> so it's really important to remember this. Uh, in fact, Jesus actually at one point refused to become king. It says in uh, John chapter 6, when Jesus saw that they, they being this multitude, can you imagine having thousands, it could have been tens of thousands of people uh, ready to force you to be king. Like they were like, you're our king. <clears throat> this is what Jesus' response was for the opportunity for him to assume a political influence in the nation, he ran away. Jesus didn't run away from anything, <laughs> except this. 
He's like, no, you're not getting me in there. No way. All right. Uh, he, he slipped away into the hills by himself. <laughs> and the reason is, and, and we hear this uh, in John's own words, when he's talking to Pontius Pilate at his trial, and, and Pontius Pilate is, is asking him, are you a king? And, and Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. So it's not of the world and it's not from the world. Jesus' kingdom is is not based in the world system. It doesn't derive its power or its authority from the world system. It's actually coming from heaven and imposing God's rule on top of ultimately and eventually the entire world. But it is not of this world and it's not from this world. Um, And the disciples, Jesus' disciples who, who lived with him, you know, they didn't get this. And you know what? Christians today don't get this. All right? They don't get this. And this is one of the reasons why I think that uh, Christians are subject to uh, getting pulled into divisiveness in political issues because they think that one political view is Jesus' view and the other is, is Satan's. <laughs> You know, and often it's not that clear. Rarely is it that clear. But the disciples didn't get this. Now, this is after Jesus was crucified, after he was buried, after he rose from the dead, okay? Uh, He appears to him one last time. This is right before the ascension into heaven. And one of the last things that his disciples asked they were like, okay, Jesus, we thought you were going to take over the Romans and restore uh, the political system into, the favor, into our favor and we we're going to rule the world. But then you died. Okay, we get that. And then you were buried. Okay. But then you came back to life, right? And so they asked in Acts chapter 1-6, they said, uh, are you, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And the Lord okay, now are you going to do it? And he says, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Father has appointed. But at this point... It's for you to receive power when you receive the Holy Ghost to be my witnesses, right? And so Jesus sends them on a completely different mission, and that mission was to spread the good news, the gospel message of of salvation through Jesus to the whole world, to every nation on planet Earth. And uh, even at this late point in the process, they didn't get that Jesus wasn't about um, establishing a worldly kingdom. So Jesus rules, uh, he rules now, but he rules in the now but not yet kingdom. It's a very important idea, I can't you know, take a whole, whole series, you can talk about this idea, whole books have been written about this idea, but the, to sum it up is that there's aspects of Jesus' rule that we can access uh, now, and that we are supposed to live in the power and the authority and the privilege now, but there are aspects that are not yet, all right? So we don't have the fullness, right? And when Jesus returns, there's going to be no more sickness. Well, there's still sickness. There's going to be no more sin. Well, there's still sin, all right? Uh, uh, there's going to be no more Satan. He's going to be uh, confined. Well, Satan, we're still in a battle. And so <clears throat> we're not there yet. When Jesus returns, he will rule and reign over all the earth, but it will be clear. And it will not be through a political party. He will be the king. <laughs> All right? So Jesus rules. Everybody say? Very good. <clears throat> Number two, under God. That means that our political views should be under God. And what I mean by that is that, you know, uh, you know, it's part of the pledge, but it needs to be more than just something we say. Uh, it has to be something we live personally, intentionally, and individually. Uh, uh, in order to change our nation, in order for us as a nation to reach this aspiration, this something that we aspire to, that we hope for, that we long for, that we believe for, that we pray for, that the nation will actually live submitted to the principles and the character of God. If we want that for our nation, listen, 
we need to we need to live it out personally, right? Right here is where where the battle. It starts and ends here. Okay, uh, we have to be changed by being in submission, by being under God, uh, obeying Him, living according to His character day in day out in every relationship. And when we're able to do that, then we'll be able to lead others, not force others into that same into those same values. <clears throat> so, you know, I don't know if it's the right time to say this, but uh, sometimes I think we forget that, you know, our our nation was founded by people fleeing religious persecution. But the religious persecution they were fleeing was Christian religious persecution. You know, it was Christians that had gained political power that had created a society that restricted uh, the freedom of, of other Christians expressing their faith to the point of that's why the pilgrims left, was because the Christian church in Europe had been had taken such political power. And we forget that. <clears throat> and so uh, how do we bring about transformation so that our nation can be under God? It's when we're changed and we're living a passionate Christ uh, uh, uh uh, Christ-led, spirit-influenced uh, uh, life for God that we can lead others into that. Uh, and then under God it means, and, and again I'm quoting Andy Stanley uh, from that same message, he says, put your faith filter up front and your political filter somewhere down below that, somewhere down under that. All right. And what I mean by that is that when ideas are presented, when you're looking at choices, candidates, when you're looking at platforms, positions, political ideas, economic ideas, you know, and this goes from everywhere from, you know, who to elect as a president to, to how, uh, you know, uh, a uh, social service should operate, how we should uh, set up every political decision. We need to filter the question first through our faith. How does this line up with the, the things of God? How does this line up with the character of God? And then, at a later point, once we understand in that context, filter it through our political. And we all have political preferences and opinions, and that's fine. But we need to make sure that they are secondary or below our, our, our faith filters, our faith convictions. <clears throat> Christians should be politically aware and active, all right? Don't, don't mistake me in any way. Just because Jesus avoided political involvement, that's not to say that Christians are to avoid political involvement. That's another error. You know, as, as in everything, we tend to make uh, you know, go too far, uh, swinging the pendulum too far one way or the other. Either we get completely like Jesus needs to rule the government, you know, and or, or we need a Christian, uh, you know, praying every day as a president or something like that, you know, uh, to Christians should avoid political activity at all times, right? And I don't believe either one of the extremes is the appropriate way. Now, I believe that our faith should influence our politics, of course. If you're a Christian, your faith, that's what I'm saying, faith comes first. Faith should be the primary influence of your political decisions. Um, <clears throat> and I strongly encourage you, as individuals, to be politically aware and politically active. Now, there's a whole range. Some people love it and are passionate about it, some people are like, oh, do we have to go through this again? <laughs> and some people are, I just ignore it. You know, only half the people in America vote. Uh, yeah, 50% at most. And so, uh, you know, because they just don't care. They don't get it. They don't understand it. They're disconnected from it. As Chris, that, that actually means that we have doubled the chance to have influence. Right? If 50% of the people aren't voting and all the Christians vote, then our faith influence vote should have more power. So yes, be involved and be active. Be it's okay to be passionate, okay? As long as your passion doesn't violate other character issues. <laughs> All right, uh, don't allow your political or economic stances to violate the more important and eternal values like love 
and compassion and mercy. And don't twist Scripture to fit your politics or beliefs. And listen, you can take any political stance and put a Scripture to it. Okay, Uh, Just like you can take just about any religious stance and put a Scripture to it. So just because you can find a Scripture or two that back up uh, your particular conviction politically doesn't that doesn't mean it's under God. Uh, being under God is that it's completely submitted both how and why uh, you believe something, but also how you express it. It's coming under the character and the nature and the principles that God um, has communicated in His Word and has demonstrated through the life of Jesus Christ. So under God means being submitted to Him. Idea number two is what? Under God. Very good. <clears throat> Idea number three. We're going through the first three real fast, right? <laughs> no fear. Say no fear. no fear. Oh, man. Campaigns stir up fear. And, and like I said, this one seems to be doing it all the more. Uh, and, uh, you know, and it's... Uh, the reason is because fear is the best way to create a quick response. All right? But it really is a bad motivator for anything long term. Right? But if they only have you know, 10 seconds in a TV commercial or a radio ad or a little uh, mailer, man, they got to punch you in the face. And we're so used to just that um, intense advertising culture that we live in now that the political system has just come along and used that system to sell their product, whether it be uh, an idea or a person. And they're really fighting over power, they being the different political parties. Uh, And we don't want to respond to the fear. Fear Fear-based responses are never healthy, and they're not of God. All right? Uh, A fear-based response to anything in this world is not the healthy response, and it's not of God. A couple of scriptures just to back this up. Uh, 1 John 4, 17 says, Love has been perfected or made mature among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Of course, this is not talking about elections. It's not talking about um, uh, politics in any way. But it's talking about how we live. And this phrase, as he is, so are we, it just popped out. I highlighted it on the screen because it it popped out to me. I'd actually never seen that (laughs) phrase in there before. But as he, as Jesus is, okay, so are we, when, where, in this world, right now. In other words, we are to live like Christ. We are to be Christ-like. We are to be as Jesus. Uh, that is to demonstrate how we live. And so that needs, to, that needs to be the way that we express ourselves when we're talking about political ideas. Or political, uh, uh, or, or or when we're talking about uh, uh, political candidates, whether the one we favor, or the one we hate, <laughs> okay, uh, we're to do it in a Christ-like way, and it's not to be out of fear, <clears throat> because there's no fear in love. Uh, perfect or mature love casts out fear, and if you if you're if you're experiencing fear, then you're not mature or you're not perfect. Love hasn't come to its fullness. And so we want to be filled with love because love casts out fear. Uh, For God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So the Holy Spirit that's in each of us, because we're believers, we've received the Holy Spirit, received Jesus as Lord, we've asked the Holy Spirit into our, our lives, we're living according to His Spirit, we should not be then reacting out of fear. But listen, Okay, the whole election cycle and process is constantly pushing the fear button. Boom, 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 boom. 
And quite frankly, it's impossible to not be influenced by that. And so you say, well, I'm not reacting out of fear. I would just ask you to really prayerfully consider that because I don't know how anybody couldn't. What you need to be aware of is they, are, they being the forces of the media and the forces of the political power and the forces of the agendas of the world and demonic influences behind that are, are pushing fear on me. And I want to respond prayerfully and carefully not to give in to fear and instead to respond out of love. Does that make sense? Maybe? <laughs> so be aware that there's a lot of fear, but choose to respond out of love instead because no fear means that the love of God is stronger. It really is. The mature love of God is stronger than the fear. And one of the things I just want to <clears throat> encourage us as we go into this election is that, uh, you know, God's in control. He really is. The whole world is not going to fall apart based on this election. America will not fall apart based on this election. Right? And every election, they make it sound like that. But it's, it's the, the, the whole system. You know, we've been around, the, the country's been around for, what, 200 and, I don't know, 50 years? Is it 250? 240 years. And you know what? We've had some really bad presidents. <laughs> and we've had some good ones. I don't know if we've ever had an excellent one. You know? Uh, Abraham Lincoln, but you know, his approval ratings was one of the lowest. It's after they're dead that we think they're good. <laughs> you know what? God still has used this country, even though it's been led uh, politically by some really nasty people. The country has done some phenomenal things, both in the natural, economically, and, 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 and in every other way, but also for, for the kingdom purposes. We send out more missionaries, more money to the mission world. We recruit more people. So much good has come. And even though the system is far from perfect, and so uh, we don't have to be afraid um, that uh, everything hinges on this. It really doesn't. Uh, because God is in, because Jesus rules and, and God's in control. Okay, take a little more time on this. <clears throat> uh, kingdom values is the fourth idea, kingdom values. And what I mean by that is that our agenda, political and every other way, but in this discussion, it, especially our political agenda, what we should be looking for uh, in our government and how we conduct ourselves politically uh, should look like God's agenda. <clears throat> Another little just personal kind of side note that um, I, I struggle with, and I, I think that there's been a disconnect in, in America because the whole idea of America is that it's, it's people, uh, it's government for and by the people. And, but there's a, there's a us and them uh, contention or, or uh, uh, most people think of the government as the enemy of the people, right? But the whole way it was set up is that the gov we, we elect the government. And so we are the government. Does that make sense? All right? We are the government. Huh? That's not where I want to go. So this is what I think a big part of the problem is that we've lost this idea that we are the government. And instead of the government, are those people that are making all the mistakes and we should be doing it this other way. And realize, no, wait a minute. We have governmental authority. You know? And this is one way, the election is one way we, we uh, express governmental authority. But boy, you know how you behave day in and day out are ways that you exercise governmental authority. All right, we need to reclaim that. <clears throat> but uh, how we operate uh, and what we expect um, from ourselves and from our leaders should look like God's agenda. Jesus summed it up <clears throat> when a lawyer asked him what was the most important 
law. And you have to understand, for uh, in that context, of course, this is the, the great commandment. Um, when the lawyer was asking Jesus, and he was actually testing him, this was one of those questions where they were trying to trap Jesus in his words. When he says, what's the greatest law? We think, we interpret that as, what's the most important spiritual principle? But when that question was asked, it was talking about the legal system. Because the laws of the land were based on their scripture. Okay, So there wasn't a disconnect for in, in this culture between uh, our spiritual lives and our secular legal system. Do you understand this? All right. In this question, he's saying, what's the most important law, rule, for a society as well as for an individual? But we read this and think, what's the most important Christian principle or Christian law? Uh, that's not what that verse is talking about. And Jesus' answer is very simple. Love God and love your neighbor. On that hangs all of the law and the prophets. And when he says hangs all of the law and prophets, all of the law was the social order that was, de- uh, de- uh, that was uh, determined by God's l- rule book, the Old Testament, for the nation of Israel. Okay, And so it was the governmental system, the political system, as well as one's personal spiritual relationship with God and with others. And so love God and loving your neighbor, loving other people, Jesus sums it up, that's the most important. Everything hangs on that. All right, And then we're going to turn to uh, a, 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 a psalm, because I think it's a great summary of kingdom values. It's very similar to the uh, place where Jesus quoted when he stated his mission statement. Remember when he walked into the tabernacle or to, uh, to, to read the synagogue to read the portion of scripture and he read from Isaiah um, and he said, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Well, uh, this isn't that verse in Isaiah, but it's a, it's a similar passage that sums up the uh, value system for God's kingdom, all right? It sums up what loving God and loving your neighbor looks like under kingdom rules or with kingdom values. Uh, So we're going to go through the whole psalm. Psalm 146, uh, verse 1 through 2. It says, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul, while I live, I will praise the Lord. Can anyone say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. All right, say it again. Praise the Lord. O my soul! While I live, I will praise the Lord. Come on, let's get Pentecostal. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. So I will sing praise to my God. I'm sorry. Sorry. I had to just do that. Sometimes it takes over. <laughs> while I live, uh, I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. All right, and so the number one value in the kingdom is living a life of praise. That means to boast about God, okay? To celebrate God. It can actually translate to make a show about it, all right? To make a big deal about God, about his characteristics, his power, his love, his goodness, his mercy, his gentleness, his kindness, his long-suffering, his glory. We're going to boast about it. Number one value. Oops. <clears throat> Skip through. Psalm uh, 130, uh, verses 3 and 4. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. His spirit departs. He returns to his earth. In that very day, his plans perish. Don't put your trust, confidence, or hope in princes. That means political systems. Because that was the political system of their day. So you could say, do not put your trust in democracy. All right? You know what happens in democracy when people get involved? It gets corrupted. Just like anything else. All right? So we don't put our trust in that. We don't put our trust in princes. And this verse is the contrast to the verse above it. 
We praise, exalt, we put our trust, we boast in the Lord, and we don't put our trust in princes. But as soon as you start putting your trust in any political system, guess what? The Bible says there ain't no help in that. All right? and no help literally means there's no salvation, and that can be uh, applied according to Strong's, which is a pretty good reference, personally, nationally, or spiritually. All right? There's no help on a personal level. There's no real help on a national level. So when we're talking about a nation or a country, and there's no help in a spiritual level, in what? In a person or in a political system. Okay? Uh, God uses those tools to accomplish his purpose, but the enemy uses those tools to accomplish his purposes too. And our job is to try to navigate through to to use them to accomplish God's purpose, to side with God, and to oppose uh, Satan's agenda. Then it goes on and says, Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever. So this is contrasting the nature of the kingdom, the ruler of the kingdom, with princes or people, and that uh, help and hope can be found only in God, the Creator who is truthful and eternal. Everything that is completely opposite to the world system. And then Psalm 146 actually lists nine planks in the kingdom platform. (laughs) So the Republican platform has X number of planks. That's what they call each each line in the platform. And uh, the Democratic platform, the Libertarian platform has different planks. So what are the planks... In the, in the kingdom platform. Well, I, I really like how it's laid out in this uh, psalm because it, it really uh, goes over all of them. So regardless of your political affiliation, uh, these kingdom values should determine how you live, how you live out your political uh, expression, how you treat others, and how we vote. I think they should influence, you know, if these are God's values... This is what, of these nine things that I'm going to summarize, and of course the whole Bible is an expression of it, but it's a real nice little summary. Uh, These summarize God's value system, then it should be the value system that we demand of ourselves, that we hope to reproduce in our community, in our society, and frankly, that we should expect from our government, because we are the government. It's not like there's somebody else out there we're one, we're one country, and we, we're, we're working this together. <clears throat> Just like a church or a family or any other organization, there's people that you totally disagree with, but we have to get through this together. So we should expect these things from ourselves as well as our government. And let's just see uh, what they are. <laughs> Who executes justice for the oppressed? Listen, justice is a primary... I said this in another context recently, and the person thought I was joking. Because we were talking, it was a group of young people, and we were talking about social justice issues. And I said, you know, justice is the primary theme of the Bible. And he went, ha! But he laughed as though I was making a joke. I'm like, no. Jesus died for our justification. Justice, obtaining justice is the whole reason Jesus is going to come back to rule and reign so that every injustice is corrected through his justice system. All right? It's huge. All right? And so God is very, 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 very interested and values very highly justice for anyone that's being oppressed. Okay? When there's injustice happening, and it happens, listen, it is all around us. It's on every side. Uh, there's injustice, and and so we want to, like God, highly value and and believe for, and vote for, and live a life that executes justice, that defends those who are oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. Hmm. Wow. <clears throat> Jesus gave away food. A lot. 
Now he one time says, listen, you don't, you don't want, you're not following me because you believe in me. You follow me because I just gave you so much food. He actually said that one time. What does that mean? That means Jesus was a, was a food distribution you know, system. He actually taught his disciples how to give away free food. Didn't he? Did he ever talk about, well, you know, you've got to ask them why they're hungry. Are they, are they hungry because they haven't been working? Did Jesus ever talk about that? No, he said, have them sit down. He was moved with what? Compassion. And so he just fed people. And I think he liked it. <clears throat> and so we need to feed people, and we should expect our government to feed people. Because we are the government. Okay, that was quiet. <laughs> of course, we want to do it in a way that's, that's best. But we want to see this as a value. The Lord gives freedom, freedom to the prisoners. I love how a lot of guys in here, uh, Pat and some of the other guys are involved in prison ministries. And every time I talk to those guys, they'll just say, man, the system's broken. The system's broken. Because they see, Pat, right? You see on the inside. Listen, God isn't interested in putting people into prison. He's interested in getting people out of prison. Okay, America has 5% of the population of the world, but we have 25% of the prisoners in the world. 25% of, of the people that are in prison in the world are in prison in the U.S., and we only comprise 25% of the people. ridiculous. There's a broken system. And I'll tell you, there's, there's money in it. Somebody's making money. Okay? And the Lord says, how can we get these people free? Now, how can we lock up those no good for nothing? Blah, 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 blah. Alright? So if it's not about getting, making people free, then it's not representing God. Verse 8. <clears throat> the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. How many want to believe for healing? Alright? Jesus was a health care dispenser. He was the best health care provider on planet Earth when he walked. And how much did he charge? Well, no, he healed people with, before they made commitments. The dead kid didn't make a commitment to him before Jesus rose him from the dead. Right? <laughs> he called them as a response to the mercy that they've been received to, to follow him. But he would just heal people. He would heal people. He healed a guy without even telling him who he was one time. And so caring for the... Do you know that hospitals didn't exist before the church? The church invented the idea of hospitals, the institution that we think is this, oh, just a hospital. There should be a hospital. You know, we have a city. You should have a hospital. Well, that's, that's a Christian idea. That was the result of this value being implemented in a society based on, the, on Christians saying, we need to care for the sick. Same thing with orphanages. And non-Christian countries didn't have hospitals, and some of them still don't have orphanages. And if they do have hospitals, it's, they're almost always because Christians went into those nations and built hospitals. And eventually they became state institutions. But the whole idea. And so I believe the government should be involved in caring for the sick. Because we're the government. We have to work together to help. I'm not saying that I'm endorsing anyone's particular policy. It completely confuses me. I teach the Bible, man. <laughs> I don't get it. I, can't have, I don't have a clear understanding of it. I don't know how we're going to fix it. I think it's completely broken. But by golly, I value, I, if someone's sick, they should be able to get the care they need. Uh, because I believe in caring for sick people, period. So let's find a way. My goodness. Let's find a way. We have to find a way. Why? Because it's one, something God values. Oh, he raises up those who are bowed down. God raises up. If someone's fallen, God's value is to pick them up. All right? Not the step on their back. And there's a big difference. Uh, <clears throat> and, and I'm telling you, politicians are good at making look 
making stepping on someone's back look like lifting them up, all right? Politicians are good at twisting agendas to make it seem like we really want to help them, but really, we're just keeping people down. God values raising people up. And this means people who are depressed. It means people who are burdened over. But it also means people who have just fallen and made a mistake. You know what? They just fell. What's the kingdom value? Let's pick them up. Let's find a way. Demand this of ourselves. Demand this of our communities. Demand this of our government. The Lord loves the righteous. Of course, this means people who live this way, who live in justice. Not injustice. Who live justly. <laughs> who live out just. In, the, in other words, you treat people fairly. And so God loves that. He pours his love onto that. And uh, people who live uh, lawfully. In the last verse of, uh, uh, that we're going to look at, uh, verse 9 of chapter 146, the Lord protects the foreigners among us. Well, what does this mean? Foreigners means anyone that's religiously, ethnically, or culturally different. All right. When this was written, it was written to the nation of Israel. Foreigners were people that were coming in from other nations that had a different religion, that, were, that spoke a different language. And all throughout the Old Testament, it was a command of God's people to treat those people, to protect those people, to treat them fairly, to not abuse them or not take advantage of them. All right? And so I think that protecting foreigners among us needs to be something, regardless of which party we, we elect or regardless of which platform we favor, we can't just say, oh, it's their fault, they're being the foreigners. And the reason this is one of God's values is because he sees the human race as one people group. We're all his kids. And he's the father. And guess what? It's the highest value that we learn to live together in love. And I'm telling you, this is being ripped apart right now to the degree that I've never seen. And I was just in Europe, and they're facing it there. They're scared. Something's different. I've been going to England now for quite a few years, and it felt you could feel the fear in the people. In, in Paris, too, because they've had a lot of uh, 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 attacks, right? Listen, they're on their doorsteps. Uh, the, 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 they had a million people from Syria invade Europe, so they're feeling it. And we need to say, wow, we need to respond not out of that fear, but out of a love that wants to protect people that are different than us. Because ultimately, that expresses the character and nature of God and ultimately, it will mean drawing them into real relationship with us and with him. He cares for or supports orphans and widows. Uh, and so God values this. And this is people who are disadvantaged uh, for whatever reason, that there's a, a, a social structure in place. And a lot of people, conservatives, will say, well, that's not the role of the government. That's the role of the individual, the role of the church. And I would say... Well, I think it needs to be shared because the government is not this entity outside of us. It's the system that we're a part of. We are a part of that system. We have some influence in that system. And really, the amount of influence you want depends on how much you want to invest into it. So maybe you need to run for office <clears throat> or get involved in a deeper way if you feel passionate about it. And the last one is, he frustrates the plans of the wicked. Don't you like that? <laughs> this is a kingdom God value. God actually frustrates uh, wicked, wicked plans. All right? uh -huh. He'll, well, that means he, he gets in and he messes them up. Right? So this implies a few things. One, that there are wicked plans. All right? And that that they're not necessarily just ended. They're frustrated. All right? He interferes with them. But it doesn't mean like, oh, they're just all going to go away. All the bad ideas are going to go away, and all the good ideas are going to just, we're going to live in a utopia. That's not going to happen. There's going to be wicked plans, and it's part of the kingdom values to continually frustrate. So when they... 
someone proposes something that doesn't line up with one of these values of God's kingdom, that doesn't defend the poor, that doesn't seek freedom for the prisoners, that doesn't uh, feed the hungry, that doesn't care for the orphans and widows, that doesn't uh, 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 love uh, 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 the righteous. Any of those values come in, God wants something else or someone else to come in and interfere and stand up and say, no, you can't do that because we need to stand up for these people because they need help or we need to stand up for these people because they're doing right. Does this make sense? <clears throat> All right. So our response is, what's the first value? Jesus, Jesus rules. He rules because he's in charge. He always has been, always will be. He is right now. It's now, not yet. And second one, under God. That means we're submitted to him. Everything, every idea, every choice, we submit it. Uh, you know, when you go into that booth, you, you just submit, make the best choice that you can. But understand, it's submitted to God. And then trust him because Jesus rules. Third one. Fear not. We're not doing it out of fear. Uh, when you walk out of that booth, God's in charge, and He's going to do what His will is in this country, in our lives, in your life. And the last one, who remembers it? Kingdom values. Eternal things. Life-giving things. The values of the kingdom are, are what we want to bring to the table when we're talking about uh, politics. Let's just close in prayer. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that we live in a nation that uh, isn't ruled by a, a dictator or, uh, uh, Lord, isn't ruled by a, like the Communist Party uh, of which, you know, there's no way in, uh, uh, Lord, that, that you just have to submit to. Uh, Lord, we live in a country that we have at least some influence, uh, Lord, and I pray that each one of us would exercise uh, our ability to influence uh, the, the government, not only in this election, but in every election and in daily life in how we live out what we believe. And Father, give us wisdom. And Lord, we do pray for this nation. And we pray that you would sovereignly intervene. And Lord, that you would overcome every uh, obstacle, that you would frustrate the plans of the wicked. And that in each position, whether it be a local county clerk to the president uh, of this whole nation, that you would you would you would make it possible for the best uh, choice to be in there, and then you would use that person to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.